welcome to this episode of Curating Crypto, where we focus on covering the art and culture scene surrounding the crypto space. And now, here's your host, Pavel Villalobos. Hello, everyone. This is Havo, your host of Curating Crypto. On today's episode, we have a web developer of 20 years who calls Wellington, New Zealand home. Involved in the metaverse, exploring, interacting, and developing 2D and 3D-based worlds for his entire career, in 2018, he started to work on a virtual world powered by the Ethereum blockchain, where people can buy parcels and build upon them. This project is known as CryptoVoxels, which is one of the fastest growing projects in this space, thanks to the great dedication by the development team and an impressive community of builders, artists, collectors, and crypto enthusiasts. Without further ado, let's welcome Ben Nolan to the show. Hey, man. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm glad that we're finally here, man. You're probably one of the participants that I've gone back and forth the most with to get us to this point between trips, life events, sicknesses, but we managed <laughs> to pull it through. So thanks for sticking around. Yeah, totally. I, I was. I think we were going to talk at the end of last year, but then my, my son got sick and then just life stuff happened. No need to apologize, man. I was equally as guilty and because of the exact same issues you experienced. So Ben, let's get started with who you are, your background, your fascination with these virtual worlds and how you got to this point. Yeah, so um, I'm Ben Nolan. I'm a web developer. I've been a web developer for like 20 years. Um, and I've been really interested in metaverse stuff uh, pretty much for like my entire career. Um, read Snow Crash and then more recently Ready Player One. And I just really kind of wanted to be involved in that space. Um, and so being a web developer, I've often played around with 3D stuff. I've had um, different 3D-based worlds and 2D-based worlds for, for, for years and years and years now. Um, most recent, yeah, and so then in the middle of 2018, I started working on crypto voxels. I'd been in Bitcoin and Ethereum, I'm interested in it for quite a while, but I'd never really built anything on the Ethereum blockchain until the middle of that year. And I first saw a website called pixelmap.io, um, which is what kind of originally uh, tweaked the idea. It was like a million dollar homepage on Ethereum. Um, and I saw that and I was like, oh, wow, you could do this in 3D and kind of build a metaverse around it. So um, I actually, even earlier than that, in 2017, I built a kind of a prototype of that. Um, and then I worked with Decentraland for a while and helped them build out their system. And then after I left Decentraland and after my son was born, um, I started working on CryptoVoxels. Um, yeah, and so CryptoVoxels, the contract was released in like, uh, I think in July 2018. Um, for the land contract and then I worked on the, I just kept doing my day job for about another another year um, and then eventually got to the point where CryptoVoxels could pay my salary so I could work on it full time um, yeah and then now um, in January things have been going quite well and so now I've hired uh, one other person full time and I've got some contractors helping out as well so yeah that's that's how I'm not sure if I answered your question at all. <laughs> you did. You covered a few things I had in my questionnaire, so that's great. Uh, and we'll dive into those in a bit. So you said you had been exposed to crypto. Did recording the transactions and proving ownership via the blockchain, what ultimately led you to say, okay, this is what I need to do. This is when I need to go all in. Or were you kind of already developing something and uh, this was just a happy coincidence? So before I started working on, um, way before CryptoVoxels, I was working on a thing called CNVR, which was... Um, inspired by this other project called Janus VR. And basically it was like a used HTML kind of markup to build these um, 3D scenes. There were VR and 3D that you could do in the browser and you could walk around and they were multiplayer. Um, and it was a really cool idea. So you could kind of create these 3D scenes, you could walk around with other people and you could script them and stuff. But I built it for a while and then it kind of helped inspire Mozilla's got a similar project called A-Frame. 
and then um i stopped working on scene vr because it just wasn't really going anywhere like i built it out but no one really cared about it and there was just something missing and i remember in the last couple of weeks before i gave up on scene vr completely i had this prototype where you had one scene and then as you walked out of that scene you could walk into the next one they were kind of all adjacent in this on, on this big grid and i built that and I, I built that, but it felt there was something missing and I couldn't quite work out what it was. because I was just storing all these grids in a database, all these adjacent scenes. And it wasn't until probably like 18 months later that I saw Pixel Map and I was like, oh my God, instead of storing all the adjacent scenes in my MySQL database, which is just doesn't feel very decentralized, doesn't feel very robust, I could store all the adjacent scenes on the blockchain. Um, and then once I did that, it clicked in my head and I was like, holy crap, you can build this awesome version of the metaverse using Ethereum as the backend. Um, yeah, and it was totally mostly inspired by that pixelmap.io, um, which was, yeah, is what sort of made it click in my head. And so then I dug out some old code and kind of got things running again. Very interesting. So from someone with a background in innovation, this type of work carries a lot of research, a lot of experimentation, a lot of trial and error, and a lot of throwing stuff into the bin. What you guys have been able to do is nothing short of amazing. Did it catch you by surprise? What do you attribute this to? Um, I don't, the, the funny thing about crypto voxels is, um, I've had websites that are much bigger than crypto voxels on Google analytics. And so for a long time, I just measured crypto voxels based on how many people visited the site. That wasn't until about six months ago that I realized that every single person that's into crypto has uBlock origin installed, including me. So none of us show up on the Google analytics stats. So even though the sales were going well and there's always lots of people in the world and the in-world stats show that there's, you know, been hundreds of thousands of visits, um, none of them showed up on Google Analytics. So for a long time, I didn't realize that CryptoVoxels was as big as it is. Um, I guess what, when I really started to notice it and when it really started to surprise me was when you get quite a lot of volume in the secondary market on OpenSea, like getting to the top of that uh, at a week for a week at a time has been, the OpenSea rankings has been really kind of, I don't know, I would say buzzes me out, like it surprises me. And then also it's quite clear now because you go on Twitter and if I every time I refresh it after 10 minutes, there's like another 50 or 100 notifications. So um, I don't know if it ever surprised me isn't the right word because I always hoped that it would become a, a reasonably good metaverse, a reasonably robust one with lots of people in it. I guess I'm um, it, it kind of... When, when it grows, it kind of stuns me, and then it takes me a day or two to get used to, well, this is the new normal. This is how much land we sell, or this is how much art there is, or this is how many people are in the world, or this is you know how many people are creating things. Um, and I love that. And it's always slightly weird adjusting to the new normal as it, as it grows from, you know, because I remember when we had 10 followers on Twitter, and now we've got 2,000. And I remember when I was selling two parcels per week and was so stoked, and now we sell, you know, 50 parcels in 10 minutes. In terms of the user base, are people holding parcels now as a speculative asset? I can share my experience, I guess. I own four parcels. The first two parcels I bought a while ago for 0.19 ETH each. And now even with the surge in price of ETH, the last two I bought for 1.9 ETH. So to me, that gives me an idea of the demand. And I've also seen some large purchases. Can you tell me anything about those? Yeah, so people hold multiple parcels. There's very few people that only have one. There's about 500 people that hold them and about 2,500 parcels that have been sold. So the average is around five parcels and some people have a lot more than that. Um, it's interesting that, you know, the prices used to, you know, I, I sold a lot of parcels for like 0 0.2 ETH for like 30 or $40 um, last year at the start of last year. But I actually, I really intentionally tried to not hype the project and I try and not 
retweet too much these crazy big secondary market sales and stuff. Like I'm really happy they're happening and I'm really happy for the people um, that are, you know, invested in the world and have funded the development and have been getting, you know, some money back on their, you know, purchases. But what I really wanted to see in the world was lots of art. And so I tried to avoid this speculation hype. I knew it would probably happen at some point, but for a long time I tried to randomly scatter the listings through the week. I would try and sell directly to artists. I would really just try everything I could to get crypto artists building in the world because I feel like one of the um, saddest things that would happen would be if the world was purchased by a whole bunch of holders, which is fine because they're still funding the development. I'm okay with that. But if the entire world was empty and there was no development in it, that's very boring and no one would come visit it and it would just kind of feel like the experiment failed. So I feel really happy that I think over half the parcels are, well, are developed, like people have actually built stuff in them. Um, and something that happened that I didn't quite realize um, is as prices have become out of reach of some artists, um, what happens is whales or other people will buy a parcel and then give it, uh, allow collaboration, so let an artist build a gallery for free on their parcel, which actually benefits everyone. The artist gets a place they can display their work and they can have openings and gallery openings. And then the person that owns the parcel, they get to have that parcel developed rather than just sitting there doing nothing because the developed districts, the areas where people are actually building stuff, are worth more than the ones where there's no development going on. So, um, yeah, there's definitely been a lot of growth in the in the prices and stuff. And, um, you know, as Origin City sells out, I think that uh, the, the intensity will kind of build up and up and up. But I've tried not to focus too much on the hype and stuff. I, you know, I basically just sell enough so that we can uh, pay the salaries of everyone that's working for this month um, and then sort of take it out of ether. And that's that's kind of how I do it. Um, I try not think too much or get too caught up in the hype and the and the and the speculation aspect of it. Very interesting. One of the things that I've heard from talking to several people who are interested in crypto boxels is that they believe this is just another well-funded startup that has a medium to large size operation. But it seems like it's quite the opposite in that you are basically bootstrapping the operation. Can you give us an idea of the size of your team and maybe talk about the roles you share amongst each other? Yeah, so crypto boxels um, from when it started in 2018 till the end of last year was just me. So it was just working on it. Uh, and so initially I was only working on it 20 hours a week because I had a day job and stuff. Um, and I've been full-time since uh, March of 2019, I think, or something like that, or the middle of 2019, I've been full-time on it. Um, now we've got uh, Marcus in Melbourne, who's a Babylon JS developer, who's um, he's amazing just doing the 3D stuff that I don't really understand properly. He's just been smashing that out. Um, then uh, uh, working with a guy that I was sitting next to at a co-working space called Daniel, who's um, in New Zealand, and he's helping me with the mobile stuff. And then we've got um, a new developer starting full-time um, on Monday, who's um, uh, just going to be kind of across everything, and I'm going to be working with them just to just to do web stuff and lots of bits and pieces. So, yeah, so there's four people in the organization now, um, and, and also uh, Matt, who's called Destroy With Science. He's an electronic music producer, um, and he created the soundtracks and worked with me at the end of last year to add a whole bunch of awesome features to it. So there have been a couple of people helping out, um, and the community, I think, is the biggest part of the company, which doesn't really kind of um, show up as the moderators on Discord. They really just make everything run, and there's like five or six of them, and I, I wouldn't be able to make the company, you know, make CryptoVoxels exist without them. They just do so much support and kind of um, help people through the world. So that's kind of how we've managed to stay so so small for so long. We um, had a bunch of investors reach out, um, I guess, in July of last year about whether we wanted to take investment, and I, I talked to them quite a lot. But 
the thing is with crypto voxels is my goal isn't to build a huge company or to or to make money off it um or, you know just to take money out of the system my, my goal is to build the metaverse or a small part of it you know to build the crypto voxels voxel version of the metaverse which kind of interoperates with everything else i want the project to succeed so Whenever I talk to people, whenever I'm thinking of ways of structuring the company or growing the company, the goal is always to make it uh, to make the project exist. Like if sales ever like totally went away, or if something else happened, if everyone moved somewhere else, I could roll things back. Still, there are only one or two of us working on it. We could still keep paying salary. The servers are cheap to run, so that the project can run forever and ever. Um, you know, at the moment, it's looking like we can hire more and more people as time goes on. But the goal is always to make the project exist, to make the project exist long term. Yeah, and so that's kind of my opti that my optimization. And so, yeah, I talked to some investors and decided it wasn't really the right fit for crypto voxels. Um, and now that we've had kind of a good couple of months, we've got enough money so that we can, you know, bring up bring on the team without it being too stressful financially. Um, and it, it is stressful running crypto voxels by myself at times. Um, but you know, it, generally it's it's very satisfying, and I love the work, and I love seeing what people build in the world. So it's um. It's, it, you know, it's, it's really a joy 90% of the time. Absolutely. I go in at least once a day towards the end of the day just to see who I bump into. But every single time I go in, I'm amazed by what a lot is building, what Devil is building. And then you have people like Conlon, like Sparrow, like Matthew from Send that are organizing events. I think you did a pretty good job by focusing on the creatives because you can really see how they're driving progress. It's, yeah, and it's funny because... It's always, you know, small features, uh, you know, uh, which I kind of implement for someone and then they turn out to be a lot bigger than I expected, like animated NFTs. Uh, I didn't realize that people were going to create a huge amount of them and they were going to make such amazing galleries because it was, you know, so it was a, a day or so's work to work out how to make animated GIFs work in the world and then connect them through to the NFT system. Um, but it just blew up afterwards. People have all of these awesome pieces of art. Um, it, the whole art gallery aspect of CryptoVox has really surprised me. And, and, and I'm so happy that that's basically what we've built at the moment is a, a city of art galleries. It's, it's fantastic. One thing you've touched on is parcels being listed and sold. And I've seen comments around the great success you've had with these. But it's probably just a culmination of work that goes in the background. What can you tell us about this and what does it mean from a support standpoint as you list additional parcels for sale? So when I was first working on crypto voxels, I um, spent some time writing a what's it called like a S system or a J system, some kind of algorithmic thing where it took the outlines of Origin City and then it subdivided it into streets and into suburbs and into the borders of all the parcels. So there were like three thousand of them that I um I ran a, a an algorithm in two thousand eighteen that laid everything out, and so. They're all predefined in the database, but they're not on the blockchain. So what I do on uh, Monday or Tuesday is I'll open up and I'll choose a part of the map where I haven't minted any parcels yet. And then I'll click mint next to a whole bunch of unminted parcels and then it will define the sizes. And so those sizes are randomly allocated so that everyone's on a street. Everyone's got a random height and a random size. So each parcel is kind of unique and, you know, very much a non-fungible token because it's got quite unique parameters. Um, so then I let that run through a couple of hours and everything shows up on OpenSea. And then the next day I've got another script. And I, the thing is for the first, like literally for the first 1500 parcels, I listed each one by hand on OpenSea. I would click on a parcel and I'd choose the start price and then the end price and I'd click list and I'd click sign transaction. So it took me like, you know, 15 clicks and I had to type in the right numbers in every field. Um, there was one stage where there was a bug in OpenSea where you could list a parcel for $0 by accident if you press the wrong, if you press tab in the wrong field. Um, and luckily someone in the 
CryptoVoxels community noticed that, got all those parcels for zero dollars because I listed five or seven of them, ten of them before I realized, and then he transferred them back to me and he just kept one, um, which was to say thank you for, for, for helping me out. But yeah, I was it was kind of prone to error, but it also meant that the pricing was very organic. I would look at each one and decide how much it should sell for. Um, but once it got to the point where we were listing, you know, 50 parcels a week, um, then I automated that. So now I can kind of drag some sliders and it does some prop, some pricing based on a few algorithms. And then so it's much quicker for me to list all of them. Um, the other big change that we had in terms of selling was we had people, um, people saying it's hard because I was randomly listing them over the week so they'd get, get grabbed up. So everyone requested that I start listing on Wednesday at midday. So I did that and I wasn't sure if it would work well, but it's worked out fantastically. So everyone knows that they can be online at this time, which is a little bit inconvenient for European people, but it works okay for people in the US. And you can actually go on there and see all the parcels come up and grab one or two. And the pricing, it's always a little bit of a a problem because you're trying to do the pricing so that it doesn't sell out immediately but also so it does sell out within a day or so so i'm always just trying to dial that price in so that there's enough momentum so that things are going fast but also you know if you price it way too low everything sells out in a few seconds so it's um that's kind of the stuff i have to deal with um in terms of support once they're actually listed um like i said the moderators may uh, help out heaps when people uh, there are instructions on the site so once you purchase some land there's a to do of, uh, uh, there's an instruction list of how you start building on your parcel and people seem to get that which is pretty cool um but i think a huge amount of that is um thanks to the moderators who are helping people out and explaining to them how to how, how to build in the world and how to um how, you know how to get started with actually building these different kind of structures and you're exactly right. I talked to some of those European buyers where they, they're basically setting up their alarm clock to that Wednesday midday New Zealand time uh, just to buy more parcels. And, and to be honest, that's great to see people getting excited about parcels being listed and then quickly seeing how those develop. Yeah, I, uh, I had some, I was, because it's every Wednesday and Wednesday midnight, Wednesday midday on the 1st of January was uh, midnight in, uh, on the 31st of December in Europe. And I had a bunch of people from Europe say, please don't list parcels at midnight at New Year's because we're all going to be partying and we don't want to have to be on our computers so that we can purchase some parcels. So I was like, yeah, that sounds really fair. So I moved it forward to the Thursday of that week. Um, it just, you know, it made me realize that people do stay up late for this. And I really appreciate everyone who is part of the, the, the weekly land sales. One of the things that I like is to follow your Twitter account. Uh, I find that you're very transparent. If you find a bug, you find an issue, you quickly list it there. If you're getting inspired by games or whatnot, uh, you post it there. So it feels like you're part of something that's being uh, developed as opposed to something that's static. What made you decide to go down this route to be very upfront, transparent, and open? Um, I've always been really open on the internet with my projects. Um, and like back in the day, you know, just about what I was learning and stuff like that. And I, I find that oversharing and being really kind of um, transparent about stuff. Because um, the biggest thing is, is I'm trying to get... Uh, a signal from the community about what features are important and what aren't because we don't we've got like a big list of issues and feedback that we that we work through um but we don't really kind of project plan in a large way like we don't say here's the roadmap and here's the timeline of how we're going to do stuff we constantly try and do the stuff to try and keep the world going so it doesn't break down but then I'm putting out different ideas all the time and we're trying different things to see if we get feedback back. So if I do an idea and no one likes it and no one retweets it, then I'm like, well, maybe no one's that interested in that. But if I do something, if I just share like a, some random brain idea that I had and then certainly I get a bunch of likes on a bunch of tweets, I'm like, well, probably I should implement that. So 
I find by, I guess you call it oversharing all the different ideas of stuff that we work on, um, it doesn't mean that I only work on stuff that gets lots of likes or lots of responses, but it just, it kind of gives me signal for what people are interested in and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, because um, I don't want to send out a survey or I don't want to like have like at the end of your crypto voxel session, have, you know, rate this out of five, but I really do need to get a feel for what people want in the world. How do I enable them to be more productive in their parcels? Um, what's tripping people up? What would be a good feature for them to try out? Um, yeah, like it's just been random luck. Some of the things that we've implemented that the community's really responded to. So I'm just trying to scatter shot as many ideas as possible to find out which ones the community might respond to, which ones would really enable them to do what they do in the world better. Um, and so that's how I do it. And also it's, it's fun. Like I, I love following along other projects with artists or creators who are quite open about how they do the development. So, you know, I try and do that and I try and make it fun for everyone. Yeah, so, yeah, <laughs> that's why I tweet as much as I do. <laughs> Excellent. So now I'm going to ask you a set of questions that came to the Curating Crypto Twitter account, either via DM or ask publicly. I'm intentionally leaving out the ones that were conspiracy theories, such as the one asking if you were an AI. <laughs> so some of them were really out there. But um, I guess the first question is video support uh, coming to Crypto Boxes anytime soon. So, um, yeah, uh, I would say uh, medium term just because I want to do it properly. Um, there is a video element in there and you can add it to the world, but um, because you've got to transcode the video on the server so that it's in the right size and, the, and it's at the right bit rate so that it can be streamed into the world, um, I need to change the infrastructure for how we resize images, the image proxy server. Like if anyone's been in CryptoVoxels for a long time, they'll notice that the, that the image proxy server goes down occasionally and, and you can't add new things to the world and you get these big red and black checkerboards in the world. Um, I've been trying really hard to make that more robust. And if I turn on video too soon, it would crash the server just straight away. So that is definitely something I want to fix, but probably a one or two or three months away rather than sooner. All right, excellent. So let's go to the second one. Uh, it says, is CryptoVoxel is going open source anytime soon? Yeah, so when I started CryptoVoxel, I talked a lot about going open source, and I was kind of like, you know, I'm just going to build it for as long as I can and then open source it. Um, but as time's gone on, I've kind of gone away from that idea. What I am really keen on is open sourcing parts of it. So I've open sourced the Voxel loader, open sourced um, little bits of co uh, the code that does the image resizing, stuff that people could reuse otherwise. Um, I want to open source code for loading wearables and putting them on, a, on an avatar. I want to open source like the complete renderer for actually rendering parcels um, so that, you know, people, and I've open sourced the Unity um, client, which uh, connects to the grid and then and renders crypto voxels that way. That's, that, that's all been really good. Um, I guess my concern with open sourcing the entire code base is we don't get any contributions to our other open source work. So I don't think it would really, people would add much. I don't think we would, I, don't, I wouldn't expect it of the community, but also it's like, it's unlikely that it would kind of aid our development, but it would definitely mean that people could create replicas of Origin City. Like they could create another Origin City with another contract because all our contracts are open source and then they could run everything on it. So I, I don't think it would be good for the city to have a purely open source, like to open source everything. I think it would be excellent to open source parts of it so that people can, you know, use the content of Origin City in other ways. But I think open sourcing the editor, open sourcing the multiplayer stuff, open sourcing the website, I don't think that would really benefit the city. Excellent. And I agree with your approach. The next question I kind of combined, it says, 
what are you going to do to bring additional crypto audiences? And what are you going to do to bring people that are non-crypto to visit CryptoVoxels and invest in it? So, yeah, so um, mobile app that works really well, uh, non-MetaMask authentication using something like Fortmatic um, and uh, putting it in the Steam store with an actual, you can download it and play in the world. Uh, what I'm, my initial goal with these other platforms like mobile and, uh, and, and Steam is to make it just consumption. So people that go into the world and explore and then look at crypto art and stuff like that, they won't necessarily be able to build, but it's to bring in lots of people to explore through the world so that when you have an opening, get a gallery opening, there's more people in it. Um, and then over time, as we start to build out those other clients for desktop and for mobile is to be actually to be able to build. Um, and then once Origin City sells out, which is not that far away, sort of matter of months, um, need to talk with the community about how we develop outside of Origin City. But one thing I've been thinking about and I think works quite well is I'm going to create towers outside the city that have lots of small apartments in them so that when these people join the world, they can re uh, rent or buy an apartment using an in-app purchase or using Fiat, um, possibly using um, uh, NFT gateway or something like that, or, or, or OpenSea. And then you can purchase these small parcels, which people won't wander into because they're in towers, they're in apartment towers, basically. But you can go in the world, buy out, and then put it in your, in your, in your apartment and then show it to people. So it's kind of making more space available for people, but without the city expanding hugely out um, in, in all directions, north, south, east, and west, but instead to go up outside the city. So um, the, the goal is always to make Origin City valuable and, and the most interesting place to explore, but then to have lots of other people able to also express themselves because there's two ways to express yourself in CryptoVoxels. You can either build something or you can do wearables. And so I think we need, the idea is to, at the moment there's, you know, 500 people building in the world or maybe a thousand once you include collaborators. My goal is that by the end of this year, there's 10,000 people that have built something in the world. and you know, I think a big part of that will be small spaces where people can decorate for themselves and collect art and kind of share it with their friends. Excellent. And I agree with your responses. The next set of three questions I'll kind of combine because they relate to each other. The first one is, and I saw you tweet about this and I tweeted about this, are plot rentals going to be the new normal? The second one is, are you going to allow the creation of estates? And the third one is, are we going to see a world being built over the world essentially with super high rental prices yeah so um so the first one yes it looks like we're going to be doing renting ourselves like i'm quite open to using another service if someone comes up with a good nft leasing service but at the moment it looks like we might develop it that ourselves part of um the, and that will be on chain and part of it uh, how we want to do that is to also subdivide parcels so if you own a multi-level tower or if you own a larger parcel you can rent out a subsection of that to someone um so that's something that we'll be doing. Um, in terms of an overworld, I think what we have actually discussed is um, once Origin City sells out, we want to sell to parcel owners the land under and above their parcel. Uh, you know, once we've discussed this with the community and everyone's on board with it. So if you own a parcel, you can buy some of the land underneath and then build a subterranean area. So that will be happening. In terms of a, a floating overworld city, like maybe in the long term, but we haven't really discussed that at the moment. There's quite a lot of things to work out before we go there. Um, uh, what was the second question? Oh, the creation of estates. Yes. So, yeah, uh, we I haven't got far down that, but we were talking about that in the community the other day, especially around, if, uh, for example, Origin City Market has got a nice green area. It's a big kind of shared market area, and it uh, adjoins uh, two um, actual suburbs or neighborhoods in there. I feel like the estates and the districts that conform are 
a lot more cohesive than the neighborhoods. The neighborhoods are kind of randomly scattered. So I think there's a good chance that we'll end up with another overlay, which is an opt-in kind of set of districts that people create. We'll use some kind of Delaunay triangulation or Voronoi cell diagram to uh, choose the parcels which go inside that estate and then kind of divide the world up um, with another with another kind of layer that's adjacent to, to the neighborhoods. So yeah, I, I would say that's definitely on the cards. Okay, excellent. And the next one is kind of funny. It says, how do you sleep at night knowing that you're building the future? <laughs> so um, when I was work, started working full-time on CryptoVoxels and I wasn't sure that I was going to make enough money to make my salary, I didn't sleep at night. I woke up at 3 a.m. and I just programmed all day long and I did that three days a week for the first two or three weeks and then eventually I made enough sales to pay my salary that week and then I managed to sleep until 8 a.m. for the next few weeks. Um, now that CryptoVoxels is going well, uh, I often program until sort of one in the morning because, you know, I discover something that I just can't get fixed. And so once all the family's asleep, I get back in and I put on some minimal bill and techno and then I just stay up all night fixing stuff and just making it work. Um, it's not so much, it's funny with crypto voxels. It's not, I, I don't, I, it's this amazing, exciting world, but I don't really get to appreciate it that much because when I walk through it, all I see is the things that need fixing. So. It's nice to drink a beer on a Friday and to walk through the world on my fast Windows PC on the big screen and be like, oh, wow, this is such an amazing sort of place to explore. But I don't often get to enjoy that feeling. Most of the time I'm like, oh, that's got a bit of Z fighting and that fog there is too strong and that image hasn't loaded and that needs to be fixed there. And so, yeah, it's uh, being able to take a step back and look at the world through detached eyes um, isn't something I get to do that often. So I don't get too caught up in, oh, my God, this is amazing. I mostly get caught up in don't fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> the next one down is related to inspiration what inspires you you peek outside the window every once in a while you went to a festival recently um what do you do to kind of uh, get the creative juices flowing yeah so i spent some time sitting just looking through my phone on twitter just looking through all the kind of related projects like stuff in the voxel space and stuff in um, the ethereum space um multiplayer games kind of metaverse kind of stuff i just look at all those games and look at all those different projects and kind of try and get inspired by that. I recently bought a Nintendo Switch just to play games that were really polished and really well done and there were a bunch of awesome voxel games on there and it just really inspired me to be like, you know, because crypto voxels, it's functional but it could be so much better in terms of performance and in terms of um, accessibility and in terms of fun. So I, I really like to try and see if this was a finished awesome game how would it look like and so that kind of inspires me to make it better um i run every day i've been running every day for about three thousand days except for one sunday that i forgot um and so every day i go outside and then i sit under a tree at the end of the run and and read a little bit on the internet and then just stare at the blue and at the green of the trees um so yeah i like to, i do a bunch of different stuff to try and get inspired by different ideas, but also because, you know, I worked on scene VR for three years. I have, I have lots of ideas that haven't even been implemented in crypto voxels yet. And I, I feel like that's one of the advantages that I've had with crypto voxels is that part of it is just re-implementing stuff. I didn't see in VR years ago or that I've seen in other projects like a frame. And it's like, um, yeah, so there's a sort of a long list of stuff to do. The next one down is what is your three year vision for crypto voxels? Three-year vision, gosh. Um, uh, I guess the the next big one will be 
have crypto voxels to operate uh, quite well when I'm on holiday or when I'm away. At the moment, it's still very much based around me. But as we're starting to build the team out, I'd like it to be quite functional without me so that I, um, you know, I'm always going to be working on it all the time. But if um, I go away for two weeks, everything doesn't crash. When I went to the New Zealand Burning Man Festival in January, I came back and everything had broken while I was <laughs> while I was offline. So that's like the next goal is to make it kind of operate independently of me. Um, it would be uh, the three-year goal would be to have that hundred thousand or a million people in the world building art and sharing art with each other um, and just kind of having shared experiences it's like you know it's a really good chance to build a an app or a site which is kind of a, th- a 3d part of the internet and i hope it inspires a lot of other sites to be, go into 3d and 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 you know for you to be able to explore this kind of 3d internet and hopefully crypto voxels will be a lot will be a, a part of that okay very cool the next one down is around color. What's happening with color? I can tell you when I first started, the first thing I did is I bought some color tokens and upon trying to add them to my parcel, I burned immediately 500 colored tokens. I recently saw a post from you talking about potentially using color for a different reason. What can you tell us about this? Yeah, so when I created CryptoVoxels, it was black and white um, and there, was no, there, was, there wasn't a blue hyperlink. There wasn't a single color on the entire site. I made everything in black and white. All the parcels were black and white. And then um, I didn't have an ERC20 token because I don't want to do an ICO and I don't want to have any kind of token which represents the value of the company. But then I was like, I could create a token which you could use to add color to your parcels. And then the idea was that people would come to your parcel um, tip you with some with some color tokens and then part of your parcel would turn more colorful and so I built it like that and we created the color token and it was it was pretty cool because it made color really special so if someone did a colorful build it meant they invested a lot in crypto voxels and so you could say you know and that would fund for the development so it was a cool idea and then at one stage I accidentally broke the color accounting so that if you had a single parcel of color staked to your parcel a single token of color staked to your parcel you could use as many colorful blocks as you want and the thing is, it took me a couple of weeks before to fix that. And in the meantime, people did these amazing builds. And I was looking at them and I, and I was like, well, I love the black and white world. It was very kind of cool and minimal, but I love these colorful builds even more. And then looking at stuff like Gangnam, and um, which Conlon's done, he's just used color in these amazing, amazing ways. And uh, the community said, and I totally agreed with them, that he shouldn't have to pay extra to do these amazing builds. You know, if anything, I should be giving him some token to say thank you for these awesome builds in the world. And so that kind of changed my head and I was like, people have bought color and they've staked color and they've used it to, um, in the world. And that's awesome and I don't want to penalize them. But at the same time, I think we really have to enable full color builds for everyone. So um, after talking about it for a long time, the community kind of was like, yeah, we think it's good. I think Jin likes the black and white city. So um, he, he, <laughs> he was like, no, don't do it. But I think everyone else was pretty cool with it. And so I deleted the color accounting so that you can now use color for everything. The thing is, there's still people have still bought 10,000 or 20,000 color tokens. And so what it means is we're going to use color for what I originally intended it for more directly, which is to be able to go in world and to be able to tip people directly. So it's this very small, low value token, a small uh, token where one color equals one die. Once we do the, once I, re- I haven't done that yet, but that's something that I want to do. Um, and I'll top everyone up. And then you can use that token to pay for games in world and to tip people in world and stuff like that. So um, I'm happy that people weren't really upset when I decided to allow everyone to build in color because I really appreciate everyone that's safe color in the world. And it'll definitely be lots of uses for it in the future. Um, some of them are like light emitting tokens, some will be server-side light mapping, um, lots of stuff like that. Um, but, you know, it was a cool experiment, but 
I feel like it was holding back the development of the world. So um, that was kind of how we had to go forwards in. Okay, very interesting. The next question is related. When are we pegging color to sire or die? Yeah, so um, I don't know when that's going to be. Um, it'll be uh, hopefully before the middle of the year. Um, so I want to work out how to do the peg, create a contract which um, you know uh, gives that color for the die. Because at the moment we use Uniswap and I have to keep on top of the pool and stuff like that. So I want to make that easier. Um, I think what we'll do, yeah, there's a couple of different ways to do it, but probably I'll have a contract where you can pay Ether and it'll give you uh, color at the whatever the current exchange rate is. Um, and then it'll also be on Uniswap. So if you have color, you can resell it at a slightly lower rate. Like, so maybe you sell one color for um, uh, 99.0099 cents or something like that. So it's slightly cheaper, but you know, you can take color in and out of the system. Um, and I'm pretty sure we can just use existing stuff for that. But I really need to talk to someone who understands economics before I press those buttons. But I was talking to the Ethereum Foundation last week, um, and they put me through to someone who understands the economics of this a bit better and can help me understand what I'm doing before I turn it all on. Okay, excellent. The next question is, what sort of partnerships or collaborations do you have in the works? We heard recently about crypto motors. Does this mean that we're going to have cars running around Origin City? Uh, yeah, like so we don't have any real, like uh, our biggest partnership by far and a huge reason that CryptoVoxels exist is with OpenSea. OpenSea has been amazing to work with and like we don't have any specific uh, partnership with them, but you know, we obviously use them for all our sales and to the secondary market and stuff. So that's, they've been massive and they've been awesome to work with. And I kind of wish I was going to NFT.NYC so I could go and meet up with them and have a beer. But I'm sure at some stage I'll get to meet them and say thank you for everything they've done. Um, uh, crypto motors have been awesome. They've been taking their uh, currently po polygonal cars and then turning them into voxel models so they can use them in the world. I haven't talked to them explicitly about um, using the cars to drive around in the world. Like the crypto voxels is like 10% of the land area or 5% of the land area is streets. So there's a lot of streets for them to drive on. So I think, yeah, <laughs> at some stage that would be very cool. Um, some kind of NFT car. Um, wow, that's actually probably quite doable. Anyway, yeah, something to think about. Um, uh, other partnerships, we don't really have any partnerships explicitly. And, and I think that's the coolest thing about the Ethereum ecosystem is that because it's decentralized, you don't need permission to do many of these things. You can just kind of build them and turn them on and then start using them. I'm all about stuff where we can interoperate with stuff or just use something that's publicly accessible um, or provide something for other people to consume. I don't really like stuff where I have to sign a contract to go and use their software. So Ben, the next question is, are there any things that you want to share with the community? Any exciting news? Maybe something you've discussed with the, with the Discord channel, but not with the greater public. Anything you would like to share? Oh my gosh, that's a, such a loaded question. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, I think if, uh, if uh, we get the mobile app finished, I think that'll be and released and it gets into the app stores. I think that'll be a really nice feature because currently the mobile experience is, it works. You can click a link in Twitter and explore the world, but I think it can be so much better. So that's a, a big thing that we want to sort of make and to enable people into the world. Um, I think getting the app into the Steam store so that we kind of get exposed to more gamers and to people that just want to explore and interact with the world, I think that'll be quite cool. In terms of um, something that I said, I'm, I said that we're going to do, um, and I've sort of done bits of it, but there's still a long way to go, is to have life emitting blocks and also to have day-night cycles. So um, have a blue sky, have the sun that comes up and it goes down uh, four times a day. It'll be nighttime four times a day. It'll be daytime. Um, 
so like a six hour diurnal cycle um, and then to also have a light emitting blocks so you can place blocks in your parcel and you can kind of uh, have and this will probably be use of state color and you'll have this kind of bl uh, these multiple colored light emitting blocks we've i've built all those bits and pieces before and all that code's kicking around from previous projects but whether or not how long that'll take to turn on I think I've got three weeks based on when I said I would do it. So <laughs> I suspect it's more likely going to take two months. But over the next month or two, um, there might be some substantial changes to how the city works. Um, I think the biggest thing, uh, which people with fast computers won't notice, but people with slow computers will, is we've got a bunch of performance stuff in, in the to-do list, and that's going to make a really big difference to just if you've got a low-end PC or if the world feels clunky and slow to you, that that is a big priority this year is to make everything super smooth. And because Marcus is really interested in it, um, and then um, Marcus is a dancer as well as being an amazing programmer, um, and so he captures dance moves of him doing, and he wants to change the CryptoVoxels avatar system so that you'll have dance moves, so your avatar can have lots of different ways that you can move, and then probably also people will be able to create dance moves, scan them in, and then sell them as a um, ERC-1155 NFT. So there's, there's a few things like that. Um, yeah, that's that, that's that's the main ones that we've been talking about at the moment. And Ben, as a closing question, where can people find you? How can they get in touch? What can they do to help this community grow? Yeah, so joining the Discord and being part of the community there is really massive. And especially if you want to um, build on a parcel and you don't and you aren't able to buy uh, to buy them at the current prices, if you go on the Discord and share some of your art, there'll usually be someone that will um, let you collaborate on their piece and and, and create a gallery because. There's a lot of people that have more parcels than they have time to develop. Um, being on Twitter, there's a really large we have a large conversation on there now. I used to be on the Discord every day and I used to reply to every message, but now um, the moderators do a lot of that and I don't really have time to always be in there all the time. So I read most of the messages, but I, I'm, if you really want to contact me, uh, Twitter is probably a pretty good place. Um, yeah, if you want to build, I think, you know, find someone that let you collaborate with them and then build on their parcels. Um, is, is a really cool way to do it. And then once we've got a renting and a leasing system or once we've got these apartment towers outside the city, hopefully more and more people can come in and start to be creative in the world and start to share these spaces. And I guess one of the questions that I wanted to ask you, I talked to some of the larger investors in terms of parcels and crypto voxels, and they had some interesting predictions. I want to get your feel on these. So the first one is there's going to be parcels developed for a specific purposes. So you're going to see a lot of rentals for events and i kind of already saw one uh parcel that was uh developed for a wedding which i thought it was really interesting uh, and the next one is that there's going to be people fully focused on building parcels full-time uh, developing for other people so you sell devil you sell a lot of doing that already do you agree with these yeah, I, I agree with all those uh, predictions. I think uh, the leasing system hopefully will be granular enough so that you can rent out a part of the, part of your parcel for a certain amount of time, and that might be only for a couple of hours, um, or it might be for a longer period of time. I think that you'll have people who are being paid who will make a full-time job to build in the world because um, you know building is very sort of time-consuming, and especially if you're doing a box-heavy build with lots of custom images, um, you need a set of skills to do that, and it takes you know it takes a good amount of time to do a good build. So I think you're going to get more people earning a living for being in crypto voxels. Um, I think we're going to end up with more senses of community, like these districts that form or neighbourhoods. I think will get people kind of. Uh, joining together and then customizing their part of the world to, to have some kind of unique flavor or some kind of unique spin on it. 
So I think, um, you know, I think that will be quite cool, like people getting a real sense of community in there. Um, I'd like, something I'd like to see would be uh, just enabling more kind of transactions in the world, people buying art in the world. So when you have an, when you have an opening, someone can, people can bid on art and buy it actually in the world um, and then collect it and return it to their parcel. So there's, uh, that's the kind of stuff I want to see is turning into, you know, a, a place where you can do stuff. At the moment, you can either build or you can walk around and look at stuff, and I want to make it closer so that people who are in the world can do more to consume and builders can um, be closer to the people that um, explore the world. Ben, I really want to thank you for your time. I know it was a long time in the making. This was a highly anticipated episode, so people are going to receive it well. I'm really happy that you're focusing on the people, less on the financial success, uh, the right approach by gathering and engaging with the creatives. Uh, so I only see positive things coming out of this. I appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. It's um, It was lovely that lots of the questions were about, yeah, like you say, about the, the beauty of the people and the art in the world, because that's the thing that really kind of gets me up in the morning to, to work on it. So thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. listening to this episode of Curating Crypto. If you liked this episode, please help us by sharing, rating, and subscribing. You can also stay in touch by following us on Twitter at Curating Crypto, where we will be sharing additional information and links related to the topics we've covered in these sessions. 